Hey everyone, today on the Kahunas podcast, we have Bryce McMurray joining us and I'm super excited to have Bryce on. Bryce has been a huge supporter of Kahunas and ever since I decided we're going to do a podcast, I thought he's someone that we definitely have to get on so that we can talk about where he's at, his journey and how he's got to where he is today. And so I'd like to introduce you to Bryce. Mark, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. It's an absolute pleasure. And could you start by telling us kind of now where you're at? So what is your where are you at with your business your day-to-day just kind of an overview as to who you are and what you do absolutely so i kind of have two main roles at the minute i've got my online coaching business where which is thrive 365 is my kind of signature offering and that's kind of looking at you know business professionals who just want to thrive in all aspects it's a real 360 approach in terms of everything that they can optimize their performance in a daily life perspective um that is one hat of the kind of business side of things and the other is obviously i'm head of performance for coaching concierge working with mark coles so that is our business mentoring side we're mentoring young professionals and really helping them to get the systems and foundations set so that they can have a, a long and profitable career for the long term um over the course of the week you know we have our regular check-ins and community coaching calls but then the live calls that we run with concierge is very much about helping them to level up across the board because we have three distinct call slots there. And then they also get some individual mentoring from the performance coaches inside the program. So um, it's busy. It's in a good position and uh, very privileged to be in, in this position right now, to be honest. Yeah, awesome. So I want to find out, I kind of want to go back to how you started out and then to find out really how you became successful as a coach and the things you learned and then how you obviously transitioned that into what you're teaching other people inside the coaching concierge. So how did you get started in the beginning? Why fitness? I think, you know, it kind of fell into my lap because I remember at 16, we had a complete work experience. So, you know, I come from a grammar school back in Northern Ireland and it was a case of contact local businesses and I kind of left mine a little bit late and so I, I approached one of the local gyms and a great guy there Tony McParland took me on for three days and I just absolutely loved it I was just thrown into everything to do with the gym fully immersed myself and really off the back of that you know we had such a great relationship in those three days Tony was like listen if you'd be interested I'd love you to offer you a part-time job and that was kind of me being thrust into it and I was given trust very early on there which was amazing because mm. all throughout my sixth form I would be going down to gym after school doing the evening shifts you know i was trusted with with money handling locking up that then moved into the weekends and that was kind of the original love for fitness because i was just surrounding myself by people who were into the gym week in week out i was learning to do inductions i was taking classes and just having that proactive approach towards seeing the benefit of people improving their fitness and the knock-on impact that it was having it was also like a real community feel because in this in my hometown which is armagh it was like probably the standout gym in terms of level of service and personality and just making everyone feel welcome and so i ran that all the way through my kind of a levels which was amazing and as i started to progress and look towards university i was kind of torn between what to do because i was kind of like i need to have a degree behind me and in hindsight that probably be different mm-hmm. now but it kind of led to one of the the biggest turning points for me in terms of my life and learning and everything and it's probably right. not something i talk about a lot purely because i'm I was always interested in doing doing more and trying to push myself as hard as I could physically be. And I wasn't the most academically gifted. Uh, I had to work hard and study, which I had no problem with because I could see the benefit on, on the other side. Mm. But 
you know, and this is no disrespect to people in Northern Ireland. It's just a lot of people would just kind of naturally move up to Belfast and they, they go to the universities there and they'd stay very insular with their support and their peer group and not really branching out. And, you know, just following a lot of like looking up to a lot of elite athletes across the board in terms of what are they doing, you know, maximizing performance. You know, I'd heard about Loughborough and I said to my dad, I was like, listen, I really want to try the open day over at Loughborough. So we flew over um, for two days and I was just blown away by the experience. You know, yeah. I've done my research with regard to universities and when it talked about Olympic training athletes, the facilities available, it was like the center of excellence for all the key sports. We went over there for two days and like it was decision made. We came back, we were on the flight back and I was like, that's it. It was like tunnel vision at that point. And then it was like kind of all in in terms of trying to get the grades across the line. And I actually fell up short. You know, I was told they needed uh, two A's and a C. And I came up with ABC and I was I was devastated, to be honest, absolutely devastated. But it was like I had two options with A, B and C. I pretty could have got into any university across the country. And sure. that was kind of the first decision making process. I was that set on being at Loughborough and surround myself with the best of the best across all disciplines. I took the decision, mm -hmm. I'm going to reset. So it was a real big one for me because all of my friends were then going off to university and I was staying behind. So I was going yeah. back into school. I was going back through classes. And really it was just to bring my grades up in one subject. <laughs> so we got there in the end and it, that became a default year in terms of, I took a year out and basically got my grades up to speed in, in the January resets. And it's interesting because I wouldn't have talked about that previously because I deemed it as failure. But I guess, you mm. know, as you get older and, and you learn that that was a kind of real turning point in terms of, you know, when you're set in what you want and you'll do whatever it takes. And, and if it means going back and, and accepting the fact that you're going to have to put a stint in from a study point of view, it then gave me the opportunity as well just to be working in the gym with a more hands-on approach in, in that year out. And I just immersed myself in getting as many coaching badges as possible with all the disciplines across the board. Um, which then enabled me to get over to Loughborough the following year, which was amazing. So I did a sports science degree and I've had like a real roundabout story, but I did a sports science degree, got to the end of, of my degree. And again, being around the people at Loughborough and the athletes. And I mean, it was crazy because you'd have the England rugby team, Johnny Wilkinson was there and it was just, nobody batted an eyelid. They were just these yeah. elite athletes walking around campus because everything was on campus and you just, you surround yourself with like the best of the best. It was just a hugely inspiring environment. I finished the degree and then it was like, what next? And there was offers to do like, you know, SNC roles with like Leicester Tigers and stuff like that. Or one of the, the natural kind of progressions was to, to take on board the PGC at Loughborough. And I was like, well, it's it's kind of on a plate here. I may as well just jump in and do it. And it was heavily subsidized with the government at the time because they were crying out for teachers. So I did another year qualified as a teacher. And I thought that was going to be the natural next step. So I kind of, I moved down to Ascot. I was working at a private school teaching physical education and, and rugby for a number of years. And again, it was a major turning point. In that initial stage, I thought this is absolutely fine. You know, it was excellent for developing pastoral skills, leadership qualities. And I had a rapid yeah. rise in the school I was working at just because I always was driven. And so every year I was lucky I was getting new roles and responsibilities, which was amazing because it was just drawn upon further experience and an opportunity to lead. But with that, like deep down there was just unfulfillment there but it was mm. tricky because i was you know i had a i had a, a girlfriend we were due to get married we had bought our first house all of these things and, and the longer time went on i was thinking this is literally the, the worst time <laughs> to potentially look at a career change but it was one of those ones where 
I was deeply unfulfilled. I was uninspired. The environment I was in just wasn't ticking the boxes for me. I had conversations with my parents about fitness. It was like every time I talk about career change, I was being pulled back to like all of those years. Because even when I was at university, when I came home during the holidays, I'd be working in the gym. Sure. And it was like, there's never a right time to do this. But because I'd done all the stuff previously and I'd been working with people remotely on the side whilst teaching, I was like, you know, let, let's give this a go and see where we're at. And I was able to manage, uh, it was a busy couple of years because basically I was able to, I was training clients then in the mornings, going in, teaching a full day of school, training clients in the evening. And I wanted to give myself a good run on it to make sure that is this actually feasible to manage the transition? And yeah. I did it quicker than I really anticipated because by the Christmas of that final year, I was in education. I was like, I've got this covered. I know I can be in a great position to go fully all in with, with the coaching business. And the beauty of like, for those who don't know, with the teaching side of things, because you're paid over the course of the year, I was able to have a notice in and finish in the summer with kind of peace of mind that I've got two salary packages sure. coming in July and August. But I didn't, I didn't need that because I got a major break in like the August with the, the remote personal training side of things that it just, everything kind of fell into place. And it was one of those ones where I would almost say from a, like a, like a mental health point of view towards the end of, of the teaching side of things, like it took a hit just because mm. I, I couldn't get that break. I, but then when I made the decision to go all in with the coaching side of things, it was done. The shackles were off, away we went, and things just went from strength to strength. So I then had the flexibility and freedom to dictate the hours I wanted to work. I got access and fell into you know a fantastic, highly affluent crowd around the Ascot Sunningdale, Virginia Water area. I started to do some work with Kevin Peterson, the cricketer, and then I was working with Nick Compton and a few others, and I just kind of it steamrolled and started to build traction momentum. And like my biggest sure. thing was word of mouth and referrals. So in that early stage, I wasn't even doing anything on the marketing side. I had my regular mm. social media post just as a kind of platform and, and as a presence. But then that kind of snowballed and I got myself up to a position where I was effectively full. And then of course, naturally, like I was never one to rest in my laurels. I was like, well, what's next? I want to keep progressing. I want to keep developing. Um, I had, my first online coaching client basically came about by default because I was, I was working with a cricketer and he was basically relocating. And this was back in the early days. Thankfully I got in at a good time before COVID and all of that, but mm. it was very much a case of, listen, I'm moving away to a different part of England. How would you feel about managing me in an online capacity? I was like, of course, I'd love to do it. So that's where I kind of cut my teeth in terms of the early systems with managing people remotely. And then suddenly it added another string to the bow in the business from a different revenue stream in terms of, wow, this is amazing. There's a great opportunity here because it just suddenly expanded your reach. And mm. I guess throughout all the years of university, I used to go out and work uh, in America for the whole summer because like university in many ways, it's a bit of a jolly up. You get like four months off. So <laughs> I was like, this is a farce. So I, I would go out and immerse myself in America for the whole of the summer. And work. I was actually working up on a camp in Maine. But again, from a networking point of view, it just presented this incredible opportunity where I then had friends and colleagues literally littered all over the globe because we would come together sure. for those four months, whether it was America, Australia, New Zealand, all over Europe. And then when I started to push the, the online coaching side and there was an understanding that, okay, this is Bryce and he's moved into this different aspect now, not only have we gone from the personal training, the fitness, we're into the online coaching. Um, I had a few of those guys reach out. So then I started to build the base. I got clients in like Dallas, uh, the clients in, in, in Texas. Then obviously some of the clients who reached out from Australia. And I was like, this this genuinely has blown my mind mm. because your ability to expand and, and hit people all with a common purpose in terms of like transforming them. And it was mainly people who I'd worked with over the years who had just 
like standards had slipped. They'd obviously put on a little bit of weight. Obviously, self confidence, sure. those things had taken a hit. But because they they'd know me from the early stages, they knew it wasn't like some Instagram like fad, for example. Like I'll give you an example. I did a like a testimonial with, with a guy called Ross recently, and he was like, his Instagram feed was constantly hit with these people who would he would know nothing about, and they were promising the world. And he's like, I just don't believe it. But then when he saw yeah. the transformation. I work with Americans. Oh my God! I know Bryce and I know Joe. This is amazing. We need to get on a call. So it kind of built that traction and momentum. And so then the online started to go as well as, as the PT, which was amazing. And then obviously the kind of next step in the career was obviously in the mentoring side, where you know I'd done some stuff with Mark Coles and M10 in the past. And and before we, Bryce, sorry, just yeah, before we get on to the the mentoring side of things, just a couple of things you mentioned that I'm really interested in is having gone through everything you did to reset your exams and everything, to get into university, then to get this position where you're in teaching, then what was it in teaching that didn't give you the fulfillment? Was there an expectation going into it that you'd set the bar that you wanted to achieve X from it or it didn't deliver on? Or was it just you sort of found yourself being drawn into it and then you got to a point of just sitting back one day and thinking, like, this isn't what I want. Like, this just isn't me. Yeah, I mean, that's a... That's a great question. I think so. Fitness obviously carried on all the way through, and mm. I took personal pride in my own fitness because of the role model aspect, not only for the the other staff in the school, but for the kids. You know, I was involved in physical education, and I was like, I was running a day house, I was director of rugby, so I had that role model approach, which I wanted and, and actually thrived upon. So I knew fitness was all the way through, um, sure. and I, I did set the bar high because you know I was pushing myself for promotion. So I think early on, I became head of junior sport, then I got head of rugby, then I moved into I was probably one of the youngest housemasters in the school, which was a major okay. role because actually I, I applied the year before and didn't get it, but I got it the following year. And that's like, that takes on a whole new level of responsibility because I had like mm. 200 kids in a day house where you're actually acting as local parentis. So what I didn't appreciate in those early stages was the acceleration that gave me from a pastoral point of view, ability to have conversations, to deal with parents, uh, empathy, client breakdowns, all of these different things. That was a major accelerator for me but then I kind of got you know I was constantly pushing it what's next what's next what's next I was looking ahead and it actually became the the environment I was in and I talk about this right. a lot with my clients the environment itself in a lot of aspects you do hear about like teaching education can be quite toxic and it's very political and I find myself coming in I just want to bury my head down nail the day job to the best of my ability and kind of block out all the mm. external noise because I found it was a huge distraction whether it was staff potentially being negative about having to do extracurricular. I mean, we worked in an independent school. It's a non-negotiable. You, you don't chuck sure. in at nine and leave at four. You're going to have to be in early. There's weekends, there's trips. You know, I got to travel the world with the school, which was amazing. But like, as an expectation. This is what the kids are paying for. We've got to give more. And I just yeah. find it hard being around by people who are constantly dragging their own standards down. It was negative. And I was looking for that next step that I couldn't quite get. But because I constantly had that pull back to fitness, I was like, I need to look at things differently. So like, I did have some, you know, conversations with my wife, my parents, you know, I have a really tight core support network of friends. And they were like, listen, there is a great mm. opportunity here. It's just, there's never going to be a right time. It's just, you've either got to take the plunge. And I suppose when you then take the plunge and you're going into your own business, and I've said this to some of the guys within Coaching Concierge, for example, is when it's your baby, you're not going to take your foot off the gas. So, yeah. you know, I, I was accustomed to hard work because in that final year of teaching, I was at clients in the morning, teaching clients in the evening. So I knew what, what was going to be expected in many regards, but it was just a case of then when we have the summer to get the run up into that first year of proper PT, you just go all in. 
So I think it, it, was, it was a natural exit towards the end, but with that came mm. excitement. And then it's only in recent years that I actually appreciate that the time I spent within teaching has actually equipped me with so many skills across the board in terms of the role that I've now got in both my disciplines that actually that's been quite invaluable where I didn't see that early on. Sure. And do you find now then, so since you did that, I imagine that there's always, because there's never a right time, like you said, that whenever you take on a new challenge, you're now, you have the freedom. So you're not confined by the restrictions that other people are putting in place on you. So you really are in control of your, your own life and your own destiny. Um, but then also does that, did you immediately, as you started down this path of working on your own, was it an immediate gratification of I feel fulfilled now? Or was it, or was there some sort of process that you went through over a period of time where it took say five, six months and you reached X with bringing clients on or the online, whatever it was, at what point did you kind of sit back and think, yeah, this is, like, this is what I enjoy. This is like giving me fulfillment in life. So I think there was an instant, the, the minute my notice was handed in, my whole perception changed. And like my son was born in my final year of teaching and being a private school, we had to go in and do our sports fixtures on a Saturday. And that was killing me. Mm. It wasn't a sport aspect. It was, I was missing time out with him at that early stage. Sure. So like I was waking up on a Saturday morning, I was categorically not looking forward to going in. You'd be in there maybe seven to one, could be two or three, depending on where in the country you traveled. So it wasn't even just the time component. It's just the excitement and the love for teaching had just gone completely. Mm. So the minute I had him, I noticed it. And like, I know this is the, the typical comment. It's like, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. But there was genuine mm. excitement there where I had to rein myself back because even though I got rid of teaching, I, I could work all day, whether it's tweaking yeah. clients' plans, doing calls, doing whatever, because the impact that you have on someone's life is amazing. So then I knew I'd made the right decision. And it was just a case of, in actual fact, I then had to structure my week accordingly that I wasn't working every hour. And over the course of the year, there is times where things are more busy than the other. And it's needs must. You know, if, sure. if clients need a realignment call or we need to jump on Zoom and go through some stuff, I'm more than happy to do that. But I think you can then very quickly go to the opposite end of the spectrum where with a young family, I want to be able to have that time, which the mm. own business gives you the flexibility to do that. And then you can put in the hours at other times, perhaps when they're in bed, you can go back in and do potentially a three hour shift in the evening, but it gives you that time during the day. But I think for me, it was just like, it was kind of like brilliant. I'm back to where I started, funny enough. I've actually gone full circle with a, a huge chunk of learning and experience from degree into teaching in between. But now, like, you just wake up buzzing. It's hard to describe, but like when you love working yeah. with people, whether that was on the gym floor or in an online capacity, and it's not always the result. It's sometimes it's like the message you'll get midway through a transformation in terms of the impact that it's made, especially mm -hmm. from people like, you know, I'll always pride myself on those that have tried everything. And like they have tried everything in their own perception, but we do things differently. And a lot of it will boil down to consistency and rewiring their habits and routine and get them into a good relationship with food. But once you've done that, guess what? The results start to come thick and fast. And then it's just building that kind of one block in, in, in front of the other. So when you get that feedback throughout the process, that's the kind of stuff that, that gets you out of bed. Because I, for me, there's nothing more impactful than making that difference to them physically, mentally. And that's the kind of whole kind of wraparound approach. For sure. And then that sounds like that's driving you and giving you fulfillment in the day-to-day -day by the success that your clients are having. Like you're getting enjoyment in seeing other people progress where otherwise they might not have been able to. And so within that, and as you're starting to establish your business now, bring more clients on, you're building out your own frameworks and processes. At what point did you get to, if you ever did, where you just thought, do you know what? I could actually help other coaches now. Did you 
just have a conversation with Mark or how did that come about where you thought I can take this and now I can help other people who can help more people. And then that's going to further give you fulfillment. Well, I guess it wasn't something that I actively said that this is, this is my next route. Like I never would have said to myself, I'm going to go down like the, the business guru route or anything like that. You know, I was perfectly happy with my own coaching business. I'd done some mentoring with Mark anyway, in one of his earlier programs. Mm. And so we've been on, the regular zooms throughout lockdown which was invaluable because again it was about environment so it was surrounding ourselves with tons of coaches around the world globally who wanted to stay on track stay accountable during the lockdown which obviously threw us all out of sync initially but it was bouncing sure. that best practice off each other which i found in the early stages of the fitness industry most people were very insular god forbid sharing programs they would never talk mm -hmm. about what they were doing behind the scenes it was very much dog eat dog in that regard where it, this kind of opened my eyes in terms of those seminars and the webinars in terms of, wow, this is amazing. People are happy to share information. They're happy to collab. And ultimately what that's doing is just enhancing the whole reputation of the industry. Yeah. And then it's funny when you talk about timings and stuff, I think one of the early stages Mark had talked about, you know, where he sees the business going and what he would like to do in the future. It kind of it lit a spark inside. It's like, God, it'd be amazing to be part of that. But then nothing was talked about there afterwards and we just carried on with what we were doing anyway and then you know mm -hmm. out of the blue i think my wife was pregnant with my second son and i got a message in the august and it was like listen uh, i got a voice note from mark said listen have you got five minutes before tonight's call i'd love to jump on a, a zoom and, and talk through an opportunity with you and like instantly the hairs in the back of your neck stand up like this is mark here so we jumped on we had a zoom and we spent a lot of time it's just weird because like when you have someone who's like morals and values are so closely aligned and he, sure. he had seen that in me and i probably hadn't realized it myself but then once once we started having conversations and a one-to-one capacity is like this is this is crazy it was like accelerated the the friendship but also the working relationship very quickly to the point mm -hmm. where i was like i feel as if i've known him for years and he was like you know i'd love you to come on board to assist with uh, my elite business mastermind so that was a low-level mentoring capacity with the guys who were meeting up in London once a month. And then we had Zoom calls over the course of the week. And then it was a case of, you know, I want to enhance the level of service. And, and that's the beauty of Mark. You know, the, everything with M10, he never rests on his laurels. It's always right. What can I do yeah. next to enhance the level of service? How can I provide more? What can I do for those kind of, those kind of clients across the board? And so we introduced another call, which I ran, which gave everybody in the business mastermind an additional touch point. We revamped how they did their check-ins, the level of support that was provided. And I kind of went through the last two cycles of, of the Elite Business Mastermind as, as his kind of performance coach. And then obviously with the natural progression, we kind of moved into coaching concerts, which now we've got build and scale. And so that's kind of how things have kind of worked its way through. But the, the beauty of that as well is, is like, you know, even though that's a phenomenal role and with it carries an inherent level of responsibility, Mark mm -hmm. knows that my, my passion is with coaching, so he never wants me to relinquish that. And so it's almost a dream scenario because I'm able to maintain both. Because if you told me right now, like, sure. it's the, like I'll give you X financially, but I need to get rid of all your clients, like that's not going to sit. So the ability to manage both right now over the course of the week, for me, it's like amazing because I feel I've landed on my feet in many regards. Yeah, that's really cool because you can, you can see the passion in it when you're talking about it and your love for coaching and what you do with people, um, which is incredible. And then being able to apply that to something that then helps other people to do the same thing is uh, a win-win situation almost, which is brilliant. So with Mark, at the moment, what types of people are you talking to? So when coaches come into either the coaching concierge or some of the masterminds, what level of people at before they make a decision that like, oh, I think I need some help here to 
whether it's restructuring or put processes in place, generally what sort of level of people are coming in? So I think we actually have a real broad range, I'm going to be honest. Like we have a lot of coaches that mm-hmm. come in and, and they're new to the career, but they haven't established their brand and trying to get things organized. So they're not clear on the voice who they're talking to, which is huge because they get tangled up very quickly and just firing content out or, or perhaps looking at what other coaches they follow are doing and thinking that this is the the mold they should be adopting and, and copying as such. And so they get yeah. very stuck very quickly because they're not clear on where they're going. And then we also have coaches on the other end who have incredible potential, but have just either got a little bit stuck with the direction and where they're going and they just kind of need that realignment. So our whole emphasis with CC Build in particular is the systems and foundations initially. And that will start with... Mm like the branding, their voice, the signature offer, things like that. So they're clear on who they're talking to. And really, like, I think every business course around the world will make reference to Avatar, but unless they're clear on who they want to target, who they want to work with, what are their pain points and struggles, then in terms of the social media content strategy, that's going to be skewed because it's going to be random yeah. content that's going out and unfortunately falling foul of potentially, oh, I've seen so-and-so do that workout or launch that promotion, and I'm going to do the same this week with no clear mm-hmm. understanding of, of the context that's behind it. So that's kind of a big aspect. But again, where I feel as if I kind of stand out in that regard is because of the password experience from a teaching side of things, like a lot of it is just getting to know the coaches on their level and understanding and listening to where they're currently at because they will have their own personal struggles, which is blocking them and affecting sure. them from a business perspective. So our ability to jump on a one-to-one call and offer that realignment is absolutely key because then you can sit back, listen, and then from experience, you can say, I've been there before, I've done this, and then you can navigate that kind of plan of attack to help get them out of it. And then mm-hmm. suddenly you just see the difference in them because they break through and then suddenly there's this rapid acceleration because they were actually blocking themselves. And that's kind of where the, sure. the personal development side of things kicks into play. So do you find from like going through and doing all your teaching that the kind of methodologies and the, and the, the things that you practice as a teacher really come into their own in the role that you're in now being able to actually teach other people like having that experience must be like invaluable in helping people right now yeah it's, it's that really education educator role because you know not only am i running you know, live zooms in front of a lot audience you've got to be in a position where you can stand up and, and peak, speak clearly and confidently but then you know having dealt with them individually you can understand them a lot more so your ability to stand up and get your message across and get your message across clearly is obviously key to make sure they have an understanding but the beauty of of kind of the network and environment where that we're now in is we're constantly challenging each other in terms of right could we deliver mm-hmm. things differently and if someone's not quite understanding then we'll put that straight back on us in terms of right we need to change our delivery because whilst it can it can the penny can drop with one person it might drop with someone else so then do we need to tweak it do we need to adapt it and that for me is one of the key drivers, which is exciting because again, we're always challenging each other in terms of how can we improve and do better so that the people that are obviously paying a part of the program are benefiting as best as possible. And that's where, as we migrate from CC into CC Build 2.0, we're just enhancing all of the features, a bit like what you guys do. And you know, the updates you have within the app is phenomenal. So again, it could be easy to say, we've got a great model, we're gonna sit still, but no, I think you know this is where that term stagnation comes into play. So if you're not prepared to challenge one another, look at how you can adapt and evolve, then you can stagnate. And that's where people fall at the back door. A bit like the clients, you know, that we would speak to. If, if retention's a problem, then that's something we need to look mm-hmm. at. You know, have they got too complacent because they may have reached 40 online clients and then suddenly there's been a huge drop-off where we need to look at retention across the board and then we kind of pride ourselves in delivering that five-star level of service. Do you find that with the rise in like 
social media over the last couple of years, so post-COVID especially, that there seems, from what I see on social, to be a really big push on the front-end sales and marketing. Like everyone having the right automations, right systems, everything in place on the front-end, whilst not paying too much attention to what's going on on like the retention side of things. Is that a common issue that you see when people come in? So I think that definitely people come in and the first thing they're going to ask for is email automation and lead magnets. And we're like, okay, hold on. We will get there eventually, but you know, are you clear on who you're speaking to? You know, tell us about mm. your business, where you're currently at. Uh, have you got a, a reputation, branding, a presence online? And in most cases, not. So they've totally skipped over the foundations and gone straight in thinking that a lead magnet or DMs, outreach, or email automation is going to lead to a flood of inquiries when actually they haven't gone through the process of that no like, and trust. So it's building up rapport with people so that when they know they land on your page, you're either going to resonate with the content you're providing and help them uncover the pain points and struggles that they're currently dealing with, providing value. And then it is a long game approach. And I think, you know, unfortunately mm-hmm. for a lot of coaches that jump into the industry initially is they want the quick wins, which is understandable, but you got to be prepared to play the long game. So it's like sometimes you'll have clients that, I've got clients that maybe have been watching, consuming my content for up to a year before they potentially bite the bullet and they want to start working with me, but they've sat in the wings that whole sure. time just absorbing the information. So when you do get those clients across the line, that's a great lesson for younger coaches as well in terms of like you you may be building your followers up and at certain times you may get, be frustrated why people aren't buying from you at that exact moment in time. But then don't just deny that. They can come later on depending on maybe a subtle tweak that you have with regard to a post or there'll be, there'll be times where you know a specific post that I put out will just hit bang on the money and then you can get a certain inquiries because you've just uncovered that pain point. And then when you built up the brand and the reputation, you've got all those systems foundations, then of course we can look towards the marketing and the lead magnets. Because like, let's be honest, online coaching as a result of COVID, it's more competitive than ever before. You know, the, the, yeah. the landscape being on social media, like it, it's trying to set yourself apart, which is hard because I think the, the accumulation of online coaches, I think everyone's an online coach nowadays since, since lockdown. So mm. it's, what can you do to make yourself stand out? But for me, it's it's doing it in a way that is morally correct. You've got your integrity intact and, and your message is really clear in terms of like a genuine willingness to help people. So how do people do that? So if I'm, let's say I've I've got 30 online clients. I'm, I think that I'm at a very good level of delivering education to people, giving value and um, let's say I've got fairly good retention. So, so I had that in place, but now I want to grow, but I've only got say 500 followers or something like how, what's the best course of action that I can take to help me get to the next level in my coaching? Well, I mean, first of all, if you're sitting around 30 clients, you're in a great place and we, we would assess, we take a full overview in terms of what you're actually delivering. And in terms of mm. our expectations of a five-star coaching checklist, it, it's very, it's very detailed across the board because we want you to be able to justify a good price point, but you're delivering that five star. And in some cases, to be able to deliver that five star across the board and charge accordingly, you're not going to have 100 clients. So there will be people that mm-hmm. come in that potentially have a higher client threshold. But when we actually break down where they're currently at, we're like, do you know what? You probably could be delivering things a little bit better or a little bit more personal. So in terms of delivery, whether it's the quality of the check-ins, the communication, community coaching calls, all of these aspects, can we tighten that up first and foremost? Because if you've, if you've got 30, you've got a good level. If they're staying in, then we look at retention mm-hmm. in terms of what you are providing. We can look at the, the timeline in terms of the average customer journey in terms of how long they're staying with you. You know, Do they stay in after you deliver the results? Do they see value? Um, are you almost generating that position where that you're a must-have to them? 
rather than just paying up to program to get an end result? Or do they see you in terms of, right, I need Mark or Bryce in my corner throughout the duration here to keep me accountable, to keep me on track? And as long as they can see the phased aspects over the course of the year, because I think it's very easy to jump in and say, eight-week program, we're going to get you paled, we're going to run the gauntlet here with regard to calories and output, and then fantastic, off you go. And I think, you know, one of the downfalls in the industry in general is people aren't managed effectively when they get to end goal. And it's very much a case mm. of let's push to absolutely bury someone for the sake of the transformation result and then say goodbye, wash your hands, they're paid, I've got the yeah. photograph. It's a social proof point of view. Whereas I would say, you know, if we looked at a, a three-phase block, you could run your eight-week blitz, but then potentially put an extra month at the end in terms of reversing them and bringing them back out in a safer position. Mm. Because the last, from a reputation point of view, I don't want a reputation of burying someone, getting a result, and then them having to come back with me maybe six months later and they put three stone on because it just yeah. rebounded so badly. So I think when you're future pacing people and showing them the journey in terms of, right, these are the various phases we're going to go through, then we're going to stabilize, we may sit at maintenance. You know, if you want to put a little bit of tissue on, we may go into a build phase, then we can stabilize. Once they see that in like a roadmap point of view, it helps the parent, oh, fantastic. So I can see where Bryce is going to take me throughout the journey. That the retention point of view because they know you're, you're already looking beyond the result and then mm. from a social media point of view it's just like looking at the quality of your content and again a lot of it boils down to like even one of the guys we're speaking to today it's like oh i've been putting stuff out which i think would actually work really well versus what his clients want and sometimes oh. literally speaking to your clients in terms of if i was to produce one video this week that would massively help you moving forwards what would it be on and you could generate yeah. a list 10 15 points long and there's your next month worth of content because yeah, you know yeah. all of those topics are going to cross over. Or even, you know, as we're saying to younger coaches, that it's like the problems that are cropping up in your check-ins on a weekly basis, document a video on that, do a presentation, mm -hmm. do a mini-series, add that to education portal. Because if one of your clients is struggling with that now, you can guarantee that someone else will have that same problem or bottleneck later on down the line or in the next week or so. So reduce the time of you having to repeat yourself 10 times over by having that portal available. And again, that's enhancing that five-star level of service. So once you tighten up your message, your retention's good, level of service is high, and you're adding as much value as possible, then you're in a position where you can kind of push on and then look to go to that next level. Yeah, I think that's so valuable. I've got friends within the industry that when they've asked me like, hey, can you have a look at my social media? And I can see that they've created their content for them. And so they might have a really big following, but they're not connecting with their audience in the way that they want to. And their audience are often following them for the wrong reasons. So if it's them posting just pictures of themselves posing all the time versus actual value and what would your, the perfect person, if you imagine your perfect person, create content for them instead of creating it for you and then start to have those conversations with people and try and like actually help them provide real value to someone. I mean, that's a massive point because really in a lot of cases, you've got to put your ego to one side because mm. if you forego the likes that potentially people are chasing and actually, you know, what we're saying is like, if we imagine... 35 year old Chris, who's your dream client. Like when you're putting that content out, if you were to pull Chris to one side and say, I want you to watch this video or go through this carousel or look at this infographic, if that's going to add benefit to them, then in my point of view, that's a worthwhile post. Now that might yeah. be the highest performing post of all time versus the, the video of yourself doing 10 chin ups, or it could be the photograph of you at the end of your transformation phase. That post that's pushed out to Chris is the one that's going to be building mm -hmm. up rapport behind the scenes. And then off the back of that, it's, it's social proof. It's demonstrating like getting your clients who you work with to talk about you because they're going to speak about you in a, in a fond fashion. They're going to shout from the rooftops. And so, you know, getting them on camera, 
you know, there's been a lot of talk recently about the fact that, oh, you know, my, my video transformations aren't performing as well or my testimonials is like, but we need to look past that because when someone mm. lands on your page, they're going to look at the connection. They're going to look at the commonalities. They're going to look at whether they can resonate with you. And that's why having a blended approach of maybe some lifestyle photographs and videos, education, video testimonials, photographs, and all of those things is probably going to lead to greater buy-in from clients waiting on the wings than just you working out every single day, which of course there's many amazing fitness professionals out there who do very well off that. But mm. I would think when you have a more rounded approach for people who are sitting in the, in the wayside waiting to jump on board, like, you know, I really like this individual. Yeah. So I think, so a couple of key things I'm going to take away from this is um, when you were going through Loughborough, you were talking about networking and just having that network of people that really helped you to kind of um, bring on some really high profile clients that then over the years you were able to build out. So networking is a huge one. Um, also testimonials, like the power of testimonials from not just the people that look the best, but people that have had an incredible journey with you, whether they now feel better about themselves in their clothes or they've overcome a problem they had with uh, specific foods or an eating disorder. Like it doesn't have to be a body transformation to show someone's journey and your worth in a coach to that individual. Um, so what I would ask you is if tomorrow you all your social media disappeared, you have nothing. You have no contacts. You, you don't know Mark. You don't know anyone else. Tomorrow you wake up, it's all gone and no one knows who you are. What would be the first thing you do tomorrow to start your business again? Do you know what I'd do? Honestly, I'd go straight into the phone book in my phone. I'd message every single person. I, yeah. I we, we, we heard about this recently in uh, Coaching Concierge Live in Dubai. And, and one of the, the guest speakers referenced it. And everybody in the room had never thought about it. And you have a full contact list in your phone. You probably have an email database there, which you haven't touched. And, and, and when I originally cleared mine, I was like, I had three or four email addresses, so I pulled that all together. I would start, I would start an Instagram page fresh. I'd do it all again. Uh, but I would have that contact list initially who are going to be people who you're probably afraid to ask. But I can guarantee because they know you, they like you, and they trust you already, they're probably in a position where they're going to buy from you straight away. And you just need yeah. to dangle the carrot in terms of, listen, I genuinely want to help. And I've got a great opportunity here, whether it's online coaching or in-person PT. And you would literally send that out to all within your contact list. And you'd be surprised when you come back. You could build your client list straight off that. And then obviously with the emails mm. and getting back on social media. You know, for a lot of people, there's an evolution over their social media anyway in terms of the presentation, their voice, their tone, how they change things. So even if they were to start fresh tomorrow, they'd probably be in a better position because they've navigated all the roadblocks that they had early on. And so sure. it's going to be, it's going to resonate quicker and be more direct in terms of who they want to target. And then as long as you can kind of forego the actual numbers from an, um, a following point of view, because actually it's, believe it or not, it is much better to have a smaller audience with highly engaging than have 50,000 or whatever. Uh, so that's definitely something to think of. But also one thing I just want just to say you picked up on, like when you made reference yeah. to, to Loughborough and, and networking, I think it's as you get older and a little bit more mature, like you're prepared to be more vulnerable. And I think that's mm. the key thing there. It's the recognition of, right, I potentially got to my ceiling and I'm going to have to seek expert help from someone above me to take me to the next level. I, I would say probably for a number of years, I was stuck at trying to admit that. Because no, no, I can navigate this myself. I can, I can work this out myself. But yeah, no, yeah. like since that, it's then, then when you're prepared to go into different networks. Whereas now, I love being in a network where people are miles ahead of me because they're going to mm -hmm. constantly provide that push and that compass in terms of right, this is what you need to be doing. And it's like, I get very drilled in terms of looking at you know business professionals across the board. What are they doing differently? How are they operating? Is sure. there anything like a tweak? And I think that awareness and appreciation aligned with vulnerability means you're prepared to pay for and accept help 
but as a means of bringing you and your business to the next level, which needs to be done. Totally agree. I also think with the vulnerability that as a youngster, I used to, I, I had this like, thinking back now when I look at it, I have this preconceived idea that everyone is everyone else is out to get you, right? So if I'm going to talk to you about business, then perhaps you're going to steal something from me or you're going to begrudge me for doing it or whatever the case may be. And so I was always very guarded. But as I got older and I talked to more and more people, I realized that we're all just here trying to achieve the same thing. Like we're all on the same journey, trying to achieve happiness for us, for our family, for our friends, for our loved ones. And just because you're building a business and I'm building a business doesn't mean we need to be against each other because of that. We can support each other. We can help each other. We can all grow together. And that for me was a, a big change. In the beginning, I thought, no, like I'm going to do this on my own. Like I can't, I can't let other people into this. Yeah, and look, we've had conversations with with people even navigating Kahunas, for example. And it's like, oh, Bryce, can you give me an idea of what your back end is like? Because I just need to see it visually. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Whereas previously, it probably, oh, I don't want to show that program. Because if they take that program, like, all my clients are going to leave and they're going to get phenomenal results, which is never the case. <laughs> so I think once you're in a position where, like, when you collaborate with people and you're sharing best practice, everyone wins. And people yeah. just need to do that more because you're going to have so much to value and you can offer individually, and then someone else can give you that back in return, and then everyone grows. And I think if that was kind of the more collective approach in the industry, like there was a period of time where like the fitness industry had a bad reputation, and 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 some yeah. aspects, you know, depend on what's going on behind the scenes and whether things are being pushed in the supplement route. And you know, we're not going to get into that, but it's like if we can collectively raise the reputation, the collaboration, everyone working towards this kind of common goal, then it's going to be an amazing position. Because like you said, there's more than enough people to work with. It's not going to yep. be a case of I'm going to keep quiet and never going to have enough clients. And given the way that health and well-being and the, and the prioritization of where people spend their money off the back of the pandemic is going, people mm. place high value on health and well-being. So it's almost like yeah. they're going to reevaluate their spend across the board. Online coaching, fitness, nutrition, gym memberships are going to feature quite highly now because they see the value in that as a result of lockdown. So with that in mind, there's more than enough people for everybody to be working with. It's just let's get crystal clear on who you want to be working with and then make sure you double down and target your message so you're connecting with those people building up rapport helping them answering questions you know even when it comes to comments dms emails be prepared to like help people back and forth if a lead magnet does come and play and you've got something for free amazing give it out for free don't expect yeah. anything back and then if you do get anything back that's almost a bonus so that, i think that's a better way to kind of reframe it you know yeah, very true. Bryce, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Where, if people want to find out about you, where do they go? Okay, so Instagram is Bryce McMurray PT. And obviously, if you find your way working with coaching concierge, etc., you're going to see me conducting your onboarding call anyway, so I can catch up there and there. Fantastic. And we'll put the links below in the video for everyone to be able to click through. Thank you again, Bryce. I really appreciate it. Mark, fantastic. You're more than welcome.